0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and um, hit winners. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski.
1: Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45 yard line with no timeouts.
0: Oregon's got an all American field goal kicker.
1: Why didn't somebody
0: tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. We have movement. Some good things are happening. Hawthorne Racecourse has partnered up with PointsBet, which is very exciting. And Indiana plans to launch sports betting four days before Bears-Packers week one of the NFL season. We'll continue to cover every inch of this changing landscape. A bit of a different spin this week. So many respected minds in the industry are calling this the best book ever written On sports betting with me now on early odds is Ed Miller he's a co-author of the logic of sports betting a brand new book and it is definitely worth your time it goes over all sorts of different aspects of sports betting and Ed I want to start the conversation here because the title really grabs your attention and in this age of sports betting we now have legalized sports betting coming here to Illinois You have more green bettors than ever before. Nice way of saying clueless for some. But you also have more informed bettors than ever before. Why did you decide to go with this route and write about the logic of sports betting?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me on, first of all. The idea behind it was basically that, you know, things are changing in the country right now. Sports betting is is spreading across the country. It's becoming legalized. Obviously, it's kind of been in the background for a long time here in this country. There's no question this is the turning point. And I had followed some of the conversation, national conversation on social media and stuff about sports betting and saw kind of the same misconceptions and fallacies and just I saw people saying some stuff and you know I would jump into a conversation I'd be like, you know, well this is not really a great use of my time to talk to two people about, <laughs> about this topic. So we kind of said, well why don't we write a book? to kind of raise the level of knowledge and conversation for everyone. And that was kind of the concept behind writing the book.
0: Yeah, and it's probably only going to get worse once we get to this next football season. You're out there trying to educate some people. I do what I can, not that I know everything. But what sort of things would you hear? What misconceptions would bother you the most?
1: You know, it's a lot of silly things. Here's a big one. It has to do with money lines, big money lines, right? So, you know, a team will... Be a huge favorite in a game, you know, they'll be like minus 1400. I only know about this because then the social media post comes that, you know, they're down at halftime, right? Let's say it's Duke in a basketball game. They're minus 1400. They're down at halftime. And then someone on Twitter comes in, some reporter says, guess what? Someone bet $140,000 on Duke at minus 1400 to win whatever, and they're, they're going to be out 140000 or whatever. You know, I'm exaggerating. Right. The, the R- Ravel checks
0: in for everybody. Sure.
1: Right, yeah, What? Well, right. That's the idea. And then there's 8 million comments that are like, what a moron, that's the dumbest bet you can make, blah, blah, blah. That kind of stuff. And kind of both sides of that conversation have me banging my head into the wall a little bit. The reality is that a team like Duke is a big favorite for a reason minus 1400 has a break-even percentage associated with it where if they win the game more often than that then the bet is profitable if they lose the game more often than that then it's unprofitable to be honest i mean the same people who are saying it's a dumb bet if you bet the other side of that at plus 1100 or whatever it would be they would be like oh you're super smart well guess what the sportsbook did they bet minus 1100 against you if you bet plus 1100 against them so really you're saying the sports book is making dumb bets all day, which I promise you they're not. Just one little example of stuff I see out there. And I don't mean to denigrate anybody. I mean, I I get it from a better perspective. I'm not saying I necessarily want to run around laying 1,400 on stuff. I don't uh, for various reasons. But so the goal of the book was to kind of say, okay, let's step back. Let's start from the beginning and let's kind of walk through all this stuff logically and see what we can figure out. Without having to get into a bunch of you know nitty-gritty math, what can we do just using our brain, thinking about how this stuff works from first principles? That's kind of the idea.
0: And then a small one that bothers me from time to time is, Vegas says, Vegas thinks this is going right. to happen. Well, right. and you guys yeah. wrote about this, the market makers. Can you bring our audience into that, and who is making these lines?
1: Yeah, sure. So that's actually a lot of what the book's about is, where the heck do these lines come from? I mean, if you open a sportsbook app or website or, or, you know, walk into a sportsbook, I mean, you're going to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lines available to you. Minus three this and minus 170 that and plus 300 that. The question is, like, where the heck do all these numbers come from? There's a lot of theories out there, and I, I think not a lot of well-developed theories, but there's one, the Vegas says theory, right, that there's basically some brain trust in a basement in Las Vegas with hundreds of number crunchers, like just constantly churning out lines. The reality is that that's just not how it works. How it does work is people make a market on it, which means, you know, someone puts up some line somewhere first. They basically stick their finger in the air and say, "Okay, minus five, we're going to go with minus five. And they put it up and they put it up with relatively low limits, like 250 bucks. And then people start betting it. And what they do is they take a bet and they move the line. So someone bets 250 on minus five, they move it to minus five and a half. Someone bets 250 on minus five and a half, they move it to minus six. You know, and they just keep doing that until it kind of settles in. Sometimes they'll put up minus five and, you know, they don't get much action on it at all. And they say, okay, well, that was a good line. Sometimes they put up minus five and everyone wants to take the minus five all day long. And they say, okay, well, that must have been a bad line. So they move it until people kind of stop wanting to lay the points. And then they say, "Okay, now this must be a pretty good line." And that's kind of how every line gets made: is that someone somewhere puts up something, takes action, moves the line, and it kind of takes a life of its own from, from that point.
0: Wait, Ed, are you telling me that if the point spread is three and the game lands on three, it's not Vegas knows? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing that's funny to me about that that Vegas knows idea: oh, Vegas knows minus three. <laughs>
0: Well, well, the line moved three points during the week, but don't mind right, that.
1: Right, exactly. So the line moved. To, but those lines, those final lines, are actually not It's not Vegas. There's no dude in Vegas who's like <laughs> the all-knowing swami of sports betting. It's actually the collective wisdom of everyone who bets it in the market, right? Because that's, that's how the line ends up at minus three is like people bet it there. So, And the reality is that the collective wisdom of the market is pretty smart. I mean, when you put everybody's heads together, everybody's got a different angle. You know, I'm going to bet the wind. I'm going to bet the home court this. I'm going to bet the travel. I'm going to bet the, I can evaluate the players better or whatever. Once you put all of those people's knowledge together, you actually do get a pretty good line. But when it actually lands on the line, that that'll happen. 10% of the time or whatever it is. And every time it happens, people say, oh,
0: Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) With Ed Miller here on Early Odds, the co-author of The Logic of Sports Betting, I enjoyed what you guys wrote about the advantage that bettors have and some of the disadvantages that books have. Now, under the advantage for bettors, that's what our listeners want to know about, you bring up specializing in something and also modeling. But the reality is that most people listening – Bet on sports recreationally, and they don't use models. Can you win on a consistent basis without modeling?
1: I think you can win a little bit. You know, I think you can win a, a modest amount, not nothing that you're going to retire off of, a modest amount, you know, without putting the effort into modeling and, and, and basically purely using logic. And the reason that's possible is because not every line is made through this process that I just described. You know, not every line is beaten, beaten back and forth with the wisdom of the crowd until it's honestly, you know, a pretty sharp number. What happens is there's a lot of derivative bets. So let's say the game line gets hammered to minus seven, but a sportsbook doesn't want to offer the bet on the game. A sportsbook wants to offer a bet on just the first three minutes of the game, right? Well, there's, there's no market for the first three minutes of the game. They basically have to derive that line using math or using some logic or whatever they can muster. From that game line. And if they did their math wrong, if they just didn't put a lot of care into it and just kind of put up the same number for every game, or however they arrive at that process, those are the types of lines that I think if you don't want to do modeling, if you, if you want to be kind of a casual better, you should be more focused on. Because then really it's just you using your brain against one person or maybe a small team of people at the sports book using their brain with the same information. And that's more of a fair fight as far as trying to find winning bets.
0: You mentioned derivative bets. There are a ton of props now. It seems like people want more, more, more. In-play betting is going up. Where do the books make the most mistakes?
1: Well, I would say right now today, I would say in-play betting is a huge area where there's a ton of mistakes because it's hard. It's actually a very hard problem for the sports book. So they're trying to put up, let's just think about one game, right? So what is the problem? The problem is they have to take in everything that's happened currently up to this point in the game, all the information they have available, and then really they've got two or three seconds to come up with a line. And sometimes they don't come up with one line. Sometimes they come up with ten lines, five different spreads, five different totals. Sometimes they come up with 50 lines with, like, the spreads, the totals, the alternate halves and quarters and props and, and all this stuff in line. They're trying to integrate all the information that's happened, everything that's happened in a game, and come up with five, 10, 50 lines in the matter of three seconds. And then the game changes, and then something happens, and they got to do it all over again. It's a semi automated process. That's how they do it. Just a lot of room for error in that process. And then think about that's just for one game. Now let's say they want to offer, you know, 15 games at the same time. There's seven Major League Baseball games going, there's some NBA games going, there's All these games go in simultaneously, and they want to offer markets on every game all at the same time. It's an extremely hard problem for Sportsbook. And I'll just be honest, I mean, there's just a lot of mistakes that slipped that through, and you know if you know what to look for, you can definitely take advantage.
0: Yeah, and if you're not offering everything, those that love the in-play betting, they'll go elsewhere because uh, if you don't have something, a, a golf tournament, they want some live ons on, but another site has it, they'll go there with so much competition out there. A little bit more on the in-play betting. I find this fascinating. You wrote about why you should bet during timeouts. Can you explain that? Also on this, what I always hear is, this is the future. In-game betting is the future, but most people I talk to do their betting beforehand or at halftime. Do you agree? In-play use is going to increase more and more as we move ahead.
1: Yeah. So, so just for disclosure and stuff, in-play is actually what I work on. I'm actually starting a company, try to solve some of these problems for books, you know, regarding in-play betting because it is a hard problem, and you know, I kind of understand it pretty well. So first of all, halftime is a form of in-play betting, mm-hmm. 100%. It's really just another timeout. From my perspective, it's a long one, and more betting can happen, but it's another timeout. In the book, we're adamant that you should wait for timeouts to bet in play. And, and the reason, I think, is, is simple, and is also probably the reason why a lot of people don't really, haven't really dipped their toes into the water, is when you're not betting during a timeout, the sports book has a substantial information advantage against you. Because every day, so let's say you're watching the game on TV, that broadcast is actually delayed, and it depends on exactly the channel and the route that you're, you're watching the game on, but that delay can be anywhere from eight or nine seconds behind the live action to 18 seconds is pretty common for a lot of major sports, to sometimes with these online streaming games, it's, it's like 45 seconds a minute yeah. or even more than a minute behind the action. Well, you can so,
0: see it on Twitter as people are following games, like, oh, yep. wait, you, you're way behind.
1: Right, <laughs> Exactly. And the other thing is you can see it in the betting line. So the sports book lines are made. They're, they're obsessive with trying to get the fastest speed they can for good reason. and, so their odds are actually made on the most up-to-date information. They're not at zero-second delay, but let's say they're at two- or three-second delay from the live action. Well, you're sitting here at 18-second delay. You know, if you just sit there and watch those lines move, you could actually guess what's going to happen in the game on your TV screen just by watching that. Oh, you know, you know, the Warriors minus six. Oh, Warriors minus nine. I guess Steph just hit a three.
0: Yep, <laughs> it happens all the time. Right. I know there's people out there. You're not going to beat them. You're not ahead of them. <laughs> Trust right. me. Right.
1: Right. When you're, but when the game's at timeout, all that the story's completely changed because now as soon as you see the game go to timeout on your TV screen, that game's in timeout, and you have exactly the same information that the sportsbook has when they make their line. So that's when you can look at what they put up and say, okay, what do I think about that? And that's when your advantage is are better, where let's say you're just focusing on one game, let's say you understand the game really well, you just saw a, a key foul happen, or you know, maybe someone might be injured, or maybe you're looking at the line and you think, actually, I think they have the score wrong, because you know, that can happen. I mean, you, the, the lines are made based on basically constant stream of data about what's happening in the game, and you know, sometimes that data is just wrong for various reasons. That's one of the mistakes they make is they just get the score wrong. They get the time wrong. They get just the basic game state information wrong. They make their line based on the wrong information. You look at what they have, and you're like, well, that's not right. <laughs> so that's why betting, in, in my mind, when you're betting, you want to bet at a timeout when you know the books don't have that information advantage on you.
0: With Ed Miller, the co-author of The Logic of Sports Betting, here on Early Odd Sports Radio 670, The Score. My name's Joe Ostrowski. I found myself nodding along with what you guys wrote about public money. And I will point a thumb. I am guilty of this during the NFL season because I'm curious. I like to know which side the supposed sharp betters, which side the public is on. And I've passed that information along. But uh, my buddy Aaron Kessler at the Golden Nugget has drilled this into my head, and I'm glad he did because he's so right. He'll say, Joe, I can tell you what the sharps are on, what side the sharps are on, but they got the Bears minus two and a half. Those sharps are not betting the Bears minus four, minus four and a half, which is the current line. So it is of no value to you.
1: That's exactly true. Look, I understand why why people are interested. It's interesting. I mean, who's on what? Who's who's the public like? Who's the better like? And and. So that information, if you just want to talk about it, I mean, you could talk all day about that, and it's fascinating. The only part where there's, there's an issue with it is when you then take the leap and say, okay, I can use this information to make a lot of money. And like you said, I mean, that example is one example where you can't, right? It, it might be interesting to know, hey, they bet the Bears minus 2.5. And, and honestly, that might give you information that you could use in the future, maybe the Bears next week you know, maybe the line co- opens up and the bears are low again. And you're like, man, they bet them early last week. Maybe they're going to bet them again this week. So I'm not saying that information is, is a hundred percent useless, but yeah, if you know someone bet bears minus two and a half and you have bears minus four, I mean, that tells you almost nothing about about <laughs> whether your bears minus four is going to make money. money. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is people talk about, well, the public money is here and you want to be on the side of the bookmakers, which is sort of true Again. But you don't know what line the public is on that at. And also, the public tends to bet at different bookmakers than the bookmakers that make the market with that market making process I was talking about. So, there's kind of some sports books that do more of the market making where they take more of the early action, they move the line. And then there's some sports books that kind of more follow. If like a market maker moves from three and a half to four, well, they're going to move from three and a half to four, even if nobody really bets them at three and a half, they're going to make that move to four anyway. So then if a bunch of public money comes in at, at the place that's just following, it really doesn't tell you about you know the quality of, the, of that line because they're not the ones actually setting the line that people are following, if that makes sense. So those are kind of the flaws in the in the idea of, Oh, I can use this information, you know, to find good bets. Right. You know, if you if you just think it's fascinating and you like to follow it, you know, that's great. But yeah, the only caution would be if you try to then take the next step.
0: And most weeks, when we're looking at a slate of NFL games, we can predict which are going to be the four or five most public sites. You know, oh yeah, they're on right. the Patriots again. Oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers is Not back. Exactly. Yeah, they're going to be on the Packers too. I mean, it's pretty More obvious.
1: And the sportsbook operators know that, too,
0: right? right? So they're going to shade so, it as well, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they're in business, honestly, to gamble against their customers. I mean, there's kind of a, a, another fallacy that every sportsbook wants to balance action. 100% they do not want to balance action. They're trying to make the most money for their company. And sometimes that means being a little bit risk averse, but a lot of times that means just straight up gambling against their customers. If they know their customers are gonna bet Patriots no matter what they put the number at, they're gonna put the number somewhere and say, Come on and bet it <laughs> you know, I mean that's that's their business. It's another reason why you can't just say, Oh, well, let's just fade the Patriots.
0: Let's hit on one of my pet peeves. We talk a lot about football season because that's, like, with legalized sports betting, that's the number one question. Will it be legal by week one? Everybody wants to know about week one in the NFL season, even though we're we're sitting here in the middle of the summer. A lot of times you have touts or just people on radio, on TV, making arguments for certain picks, why should be, you should be on the favorite or the underdog, and a lot of times, Ed, it just feels like they pick their side And then after they pick their side, they're going to go out and they're going to find some trends that fit their argument. Where do you stand on trends?
1: Yeah, so so trends are actually a very tricky topic because, so in the book, I kind of draw a distinction between something I call trends and something I call angles. Really, the only difference between the two is that trends are not predictive and angles are predictive. Otherwise, they look similar. So let's say... Here's a trend in SEC games with the favorite between 14 and 21 in September where the underdog is wearing pink underwear. <laughs> you know, They went seven and two against the spread. I mean, I, I'm kidding, but like some of the stuff that you hear kind of sounds like that. I mean, that's nonsense. No, it, it between, does. You're
0: right. Especially you know? the, the ones that bother me the most. I'll see these long-term trends that cover decades sometimes, and it has nothing to do with the players that are on the field or the court.
1: Well, and also the market's changed a ton. I mean, the market is just vastly different. Anything that right. talks about against the spread going back years is really not useful information because the market is changing and honestly getting harder year after year after year. So even if you find something that dead one in in 2005, Unless you get out your time machine, that really doesn't do you any good. And that's, I think, a mistake people make. You know, even people who make models, they talk about, well, I backtested it, and, you know, I went back 15 years, and I beat the closing spread. Well, congratulations, you beat a closing spread in 2004. I mean, that's, that's not that's not valuable. So, yeah, a lot of that stuff is just the stuff that's an angle. An angle is something that's predictive going forward. What an angle is, is an angle is something that actually matters that, for whatever reason, you know, the people betting in the marketplace today haven't really caught on to. So an example a long time ago might have been the way wind worked in, in, in NFL games on the totals. You know, and this is probably going back a while now. But, you know, at, at one point, whoever figured out, hey, when it's like blowing 30 miles an hour wind, it's hard to complete passes. It's hard to kick field goals maybe I should bet under (laughs) that thought process was actually a winning thought process at some point. Yeah.
0: Teams are scoring 20 fewer points per game as well.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. So, Hey, let me bet under when the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour. And then at some point someone said, you know what, if you bet under every time the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour, you know, it goes 50 and 21. Well, guess what? As soon as people figure that out, everyone starts betting under the market making process pulls the total lower and now all of a sudden it's gone, and you can't make money doing that anymore. That's the difference between a trend and an angle. A trend is is something that there's really no no logic to it. You know, you can't you can maybe spin a story, and if you squint, you know, you can kind of say, well, pink underwear has to matter, whatever your story's going to be. But you know, an angle is something that really depends on something that that's real, that's physical, that actually affects. Performance or, or or what you're going to see on the field and how to tell the difference between the two is I'm not going to say it's easy it's, it's there's no bright line it you have to kind of use your brain really
0: Ed let's wrap with this uh, your book the logic of sports betting if there is one thing that you would like uh, your readers to take away from this book what is it
1: I would say it's that sports betting is it's hard it's worth your respect if you go into it if do not go into it thinking you're the smartest person in the world and you're going to just <laughs> take all the money. It doesn't work that way. But at the same time, it's something that you can break down logically. It's sort of like a puzzle. And the more you think about it and the more effort you put into it, you know, the more you are going to find the little cracks and the more you will find spots to make a few bets, make some money, and honestly have fun with it. And, and to me, that's my philosophy about being a better. And I think that's kind of what I tried to flesh out in the book.
0: Some sound advice. Ed Miller, at Ed Miller Poker on Twitter. His book, The Logic of Sports Betting. Make sure you pick it up. Thank you so much, Ed. This was great.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Send your feedback to me on Twitter, at Joe0670, an evergreen show that you can go back to in the future. Inside the Clubhouse is next here on The Score. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend.